0: You are listening to, are listening to listening Is There an, to, an Echo in Here, a podcast about Echo and the bunny moon.
1: Zimbo, 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 here we are for another episode of Is There an Echo In Here Podcast?
0: Shane thinks that perhaps we should start every episode by stating four times...
1: Zimbo, 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 Zimbo. Yeah,
0: I think that that's our new That's greeting. our new greeting. That's how the bunny that's how fans we, greet each That's other. how we say hello. Zimbo, yes. Zimbo, Zimbo, Zimbo. I've zimbo. in on our secret. Shane is one of us now. He's still in the learning phases, but he's allowed to use. I haven't
1: gotten the handshake down yet. <laughs> so you walk up to another fan, person and you're... It's you kind of like how the Freemasons have you that thing where they ears. like take their finger and like press it on your wrist during the handshake, and that's how you know they're a Mason. <laughs> yeah. And then if you don't do it back, it's kind of like they know you're not. I want and there's a guy in town, and I once did that back because <laughs> he always does it, and he gave me a look, like this, like <laughs> like because I because he always, every time he shook my hand, he did that thing where he presses his index finger onto my wrist. And I was like, what the fuck's with this guy's handshake? And someone <laughs> told me that was a Mason thing. And I was like, whoa, that's weird. And then one time I did it back, and the look he gave me scared the shit out of me. Because it, like a lo- a- it was like a knowing look. Like, oh, now now you know. <laughs> now now, now you know. Zimbo, Zimbo, <laughs> Zimbo, Zimbo. <laughs> but anyway, so that was uh, horrifying. I didn't do that again.
0: And that was your eyes wide shut moment where you got invited to the special party where they plan the... Entire civilization, and you know just, that's some real just,
1: shit. I actually played a concert recently at the Mason Masonic Lodge in downtown Asheville. Yeah, you ever been in that building?
0: No, nope, never
1: have. Well, we'll talk about that off podcast, OPC,
0: because it's a secret.
1: Oh, we could talk about it. It was just <laughs> I didn't know that would be interesting to the, our listeners. It's not. Okay, so let's get on with it. <laughs> so, what is this place, Eric's?
0: What do you know about Eric's?
1: Well, I know a lot more about it than I did a few months ago when uh, we had not yet started the podcast.
0: And you thought the guy was Eric. I was
1: like, Eric, what's his name, Roger or something? Roger Eagle. Oh, Roger Eagle. No, I know a lot more about it now. I know that it was a rock and roll club and a lot of bands came out of there, such as the Teardrop Explodes.
0: Wow. Yeah. Jane, okay. Yeah, right? All right? Yeah. We're getting... Liverpool
1: Bands. Oh, my
0: gosh. We are headed right to the heart of Eric's and what's known as the Crucial Three. This is one of my favorite parts of the whole story of Echo and the Bunnymen. So, <laughs> all right. Right now, we're going to delve into the third book that I know of. That is about, specifically, Ian McCulloch. It is called Ian McCulloch, King of Cool by Mick Middles. And I. there's a picture on the front <laughs> of Ian smoking a cigar.
1: Big cigar.
0: I feel like this cover needs to be updated. I think this is like... Doesn't really speak to who he is. Well,
1: I, to me, yeah. This is just me. It's a bad picture of Ian smoking a cigar, <laughs> but
0: uh, it just doesn't look like. It looks like maybe after like a, somebody won a football game or something. It just doesn't. It's like pulp, yeah. and it's int- I mean, it weaves a tale, and um, for the next period of time, I'm going to be using this book as a reference to talk about Roger Eagle because he does a really good job of talking about this man, his career, and his whole thing. So... Roger Eagle, the
1: owner of Eric's. Why is it called Eric's?
0: Well, no one knows for sure, or probably somebody definitely knows for sure, but we don't know. But they think it was kind of a reaction to disco clubs that were named after girls, women, like I don't know, Stephanie's or Sally. I don't know. There was apparently people. People think that. Uh, yeah, that's what I I read on some. You know, could have been could have been <laughs> anywhere on the internet, really.
1: Maybe some guy named Eric just.
0: There. Hey, there could have been an Eric. You know. So Roger Eagle, they always refer to him as a big old, just gentle giant, lumbering, good-natured, uh, imposing figure? I mean, I guess you know he's he's the oldest member, as I said before. He's the oldest person we're going to talk about.
1: Yeah, um, he's really of this influential. He, like, he was like a like a taste maker, he's king a, maker. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And what I find really interesting is he's one of those guys who went through the sixties and came into punk. Now when we came into the world fully formed in the nineties, if you were gonna not be mainstream, like you could basically there were like three roads you could go down. You could go down the hippie sixties kind of, you know, thing. And Grateful Dead was having a little bit of a resurgence in the nineties where you could go down Uh, You do rap, you know, and hip hop was still kind of it was mainstream, you know, in the 80s or 90s, 90s. And then there was another then you could be punk rock, you know, and you had these this legacy, these three already established um, things that you could be a part of. But some people lived through the 60s and then were a, a part of that, just like living the life of of those things that they do with, at the Pink Floyd shows where they put some oil on a slide. Oh, yeah. Like they... they
1: oh. Was what was that on? called? there's probably called something. Yeah. The bubbles. <laughs> the bubbles on the wall. But they lived <laughs> through the... Projections. The
0: bright colors and the... I don't know. The whole thing. And then they came into punk rock. No, by I don't really think through.
1: about it as a punk rock kind of scene there, though.
0: Yeah. Well, that's... It is, it is its own brand.
1: Yeah, I mean, it has that feeling. But to it's it. so
0: saturated with the '60s that you feel like
1: the music of that of the Liverpool scene yeah, or surrounding Eric's. Yeah, yeah, it's, it does have that kind of holdover, like '60s psychedelia thing. But it also has like this weird, like theater aspect and like almost vaudeville and kind of. I don't know.
0: So when punk exists in that space, it's gonna look a particular way. Yeah. And it's gonna look kind of flamboyant. And it's gonna look a little more Yeah, glam like Florida, like Marilyn Manson down and stuff. But it's still
1: like kinda understated though.
0: Well, yeah.
1: Right. More so than Well Echo and the Bunnymen are.
0: That's the whole yeah, that's the whole thing. So so this guy, Roger Eagle, he's he's like a big guy, you know, he's like a big lumbering but he's also really smart and like very sensitive and very charismatic people like him and they want to be around him so he starts his journey far away from Liverpool in a place called Oxford
1: all right Oxford town Oxford town everybody down Oxford town
0: so in the mid 50s he got himself a radio set in the town in the town of Oxford so he can be he's on the radio and just found that to be an amazing experience. He got hooked on music.
1: So he had like a pirate radio station going on?
0: No, I think he got hired oh. at like a local station. Oh, gotcha. So, but the reach I mean, it, it is an amazing feeling to be on the radio. Yeah. We're kind of on the radio right now. Yeah, come no to way. think of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Roger Eagle oh, is yeah. working at this radio station. He's, you know, and he comes across an album that changed his life. Forever. And it is Ray Charles at the Newport Jazz Festival, which All is right. in Rhode Island. Yeah. In 1958. Okay. So he heard this music and it changed his life. So I was thinking about what were British people listening to in 1950? And what were they listening to in the 40s and the 30s? Mm. Okay.
1: Yeah. Huh. Well, they were listening to skiffle in the 50s. In the 50s
0: in 1958. So right. he Okay, so how is this music different for him? Like what if you grew up in Manchester or Oxford or, you know, what and what are those places? Just like what is playing on the radio? American music and does Ray Charles sound radically different at that time? Yeah. British people in particular? Mhm.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, but, yeah, cuz well, he's from Georgia.
0: Because British people, like, you drive outside the city, and it's just hobbits. Right. And, like, stone. Bagpipes. and Yeah, and sheep, long, woolly hair. Yeah. And, you know, was he just, you know, sitting there amongst the elves and, you know.
1: Just, like, panpipes.
0: Yeah. But then hears this sound.
1: Mm-hmm. Big
0: so how how does it change him so what are the qualities of this music that were particular to ray charles
1: it's grooving
0: it's gospel it's
1: gospel that's but it's like a harder groove right and the accents are in beats two and four right instead of one and three you know what i'm saying yeah the accents are on two and four like what well, two Three,
0: four. four. Uh huh. So in, in the black church, in the
1: black church, they count on beats two and four. They clap, and in the white church, they clap on beats one and three.
0: Yeah, they didn't clap at all in my grandma's But
1: church. that's right. Yeah, but they were feeling it on one and three. Right. If they were feeling it, it's very fast. A lot of it.
0: Okay. Yeah. You know. Right.
1: Uh, and in, in a driving, fast kind of way. You know, right. it's. I mean.
0: I think that's one of the things I. Yeah. Like took a not to.
1: go. Yeah, like it's, it's
0: bassier. It's, it's not it's, bass heavy, it, but when he gets in, what's that keyboard? The beat. Is that the B2 Hammond? Where he brings it in on the. Um, doo 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 doo. <laughs> to me, it when I heard his earlier work. To me, it did sound like some of the best music I'd ever heard I don't know how to say it it's also just, well and it you know. is he is like I think he is my mom's favorite you know musician of all time yeah and also my dad was born in Albany Georgia where he was born so that's like the uh, the one connection that I can find between the legacy you know the, the whole enterprise that is Echo and the Man and my own life Georgia Georgia So it took us a while to record thing. all of the Ray Charles stuff, actually. It took a while for me to come up with what to say about him because I feel like I just grew up around the guy. He wrote the state song in Georgia. I grew up in Georgia. Everybody, I mean, he was one of the first faces I recognized along with Jimmy Carter. My dad would be like, there's Jimmy Carter, the president, who's also from Plains, Georgia. Yeah. George like, on my mind. Re- George on my mind. But
1: he didn't write that song. I don't he think it. he sang it. Yeah, he, yeah. Made it he made it famous.
0: He was from Georgia. Yeah,
1: because he made it definitely, like that's the version that I think of. Yeah. Because Willie Nelson sang that song too. Yeah, but I mean, Ray, but, but Ray Charles but is Ray, the, the version of that, that song. Yes, that I is agree. the
0: state MF song. Is Ray the Charles one he, singing it. Yes, he <laughs> has to be singing it for it to be the state song. Where is he from in Georgia? Albany. Oh the all- so reach out to me. You know, and what was on the radio in the UK around this time was a bunch of like um, American music. I think it was Elvis Presley. Jerry Lewis was number one. I think Jerry in Lee 19- Lewis. Jerry Lee Lewis in 1958. But so they weren't really sitting around Stonehenge listening to bagpipes. They actually he had had exposure to like American music, but I think it's interesting that he really connected with this music from Albany, Georgia, yeah. and. Here he was at Stonehenge. I mean, amongst the elves. <laughs> so what I say is a punk rock song. That's that's what I'm gonna assert here. I hate to drag Ray Charles into our messy thing, but it is punk. It's got the shout chorus. It's got the raucous, just the the loud uh, interlude where he tells everybody to be quiet. <laughs> you know, I heard this song for the first time um, when my mom finally discovered CDs in like 2005 or something she put it on in her car in her little Toyota and I gotta say I had already lived through Hendrix and listening to Dark Side of the Moon on a good stereo and I'd already heard death metal and rap and I'd already heard all of the the music and when I heard this song my mind was totally blown. And it came on, and I did not even feel comfortable listening to it. It was kind of like, you know, when like three days would come on in the car with your mom, and you'd be talking about, I prepared the room tonight, and all the stuff. And you'd be like, I, got, I can't listen to this. Yeah, I mean, what were some songs you just couldn't listen to around your mom? Uh,
1: somehow, uh, when I was a kid, like, George Michael's I Want Your Sex was just come on the radio or be on vh1 while i was in the room with my mom like <laughs> all the time it was like it seemed like that was just on repeat for a period <laughs> it really was I when remember i was that like 10 years old even
0: more weird oh yeah and then when michael jackson came out and like grabbed his crotch remember that oh, the black or, the or white end, video it was like a family affair and everybody had to come out yeah. and See the debut of Black or White by this, the King you know, of Child Pop. Project, King of Pop, and he comes out and he just like and so you're watching along. You've got Macaulay Culkin hanging out, and then there's he turns this,
1: into like a, a a jaguar or something, and then back into a man on top of a car <laughs> and breaks. The but then he screams just, and breaks the glass, and then just starts like.
0: But then he just runs to the top of the car, grabs his crotch, and goes, oh. Just like long, drawn out, right? And I, I, I literally remember,
1: remember my mom's like <laughs> exact response watching that because we all sat around watching it. It was important news. It was like the Challenger oh, blew up. I I sat in It was like the Challenger the exploded, uh-huh. and Michael Jackson's black and white. We all need to sit around and watch TV together. Well, Challenger was
0: eighty-six. I just
1: meant as far as like a, <laughs> like a, an important media event where the family needed to like be around the television. It was like the Challenger. Fast forward six years. Well, Michael Jackson's black or white Peter Janing's was gonna introduce it from uh, ABC news or whatever and it was like And it was a long like when the Uh. the movie video Uh. Anyway, I just remember him jumping up and down on top of a car like just vigorously like open hand massaging his junk and like (laughs) and my mom going wide-eyed okay (laughs) In her way that she does It was just like the most painful. Like, (laughs) what's happening? And why do I have to be here with my parents?
0: So yeah, Ray
1: Charles is a punk. Is what we're trying to say. Ray Charles.
0: So this album changed his life. Like, what does this mean? What does this say about this guy?
1: Roger Eagle. Uh-huh. Well, that he's wide open, he's receptive. Yeah. To I mean to like it right away, right? Cuz maybe for some people they hear something like that for the first mm-hmm. time and and it's just like turn that off, you know. And for yeah. him this was like, "Aha, yes, finally I've been trying to scratch this itch, you know, that I didn't know I had." Right. And and here's here it is at last. Right.
0: So he moves to Manchester, and he doesn't even know why he's moving there. Um, I think he just flips a coin, and he's just like, I need to live in a town. It's, it's not London, and it's big. I don't know. I like It's the, the next n- town
1: over, right? It's the next
0: town. He's like, I, I want to be in the north. I don't know. But here's the thing. Maybe this is why. Because Liverpool, where he's going to come along and intercept a bunch of CDs. I mean, <laughs> I mean records. <laughs> Liverpool... As we, as we have said in our episode one, Manchester, they're sister cities but Manchester produces things and Liverpool is the portal, it's the port town where the records and the instruments are delivered. So he would go and make these trips to Liverpool, pick up all these records, that he, all the records he could find, and drag them back to Manchester. And he began building a house out of these records. He got so many that he was like, well, I can't, you know, I won't have to pay for, pay for housing anymore. I'll just stack up all these records. I'll live inside of this house of records. And one day, he's at the coffee bar, and these two brothers come up to him, and they they ask him, they're like, we see that you're carrying these records, and, and I've we've heard that you, you have a whole house built out of records. And so could we... We just wondered if you had any R and B records, and he said, "R and B records? Are you kidding? Of course I do." And they hire him on the spot to work at a place called the Twisted Wheel. Do you know this place?
1: No. Okay. But wait, who are these brothers though? They own the Twisted Wheel. They own
0: the Twisted Wheel.
1: Twisted Wheel.
0: Don't you? I feel like you do because you know all that '60s stuff. I don't. I don't but know maybe anything it's... about the '60s. <laughs> So it was just, you know, it was like this little, this little cellar, but I guess what it did, it was like the place where he developed his own invention of what a dance club is. And it says he was a pioneer of DJing. Roger Eagle? Yeah. And he created this like so the, Manchester. So the Twisted Wheel was sound. like a dance club. I think it's a dance club. And I'm trying to picture what kind of because I
1: In the can 60s. picture
0: the sixties, the Pink Floyd kind of scene. But oh. this was before yeah. that. Like, so he this was like DJing like Mercy beat times. Like, I R&B think. R and
1: B records and stuff.
0: Yeah. Yes. And then um, And so he was also really good at, like, he was really charismatic, so he would get people to play at, you know, the Twisted Wheel or wherever he was. So then they mention, like, all the people that he's into and and all the people he spun. So, like, T-Bone Walker, Yeah. John Lee Hooker. Screaming Jay Hawkins. I put a spell on you. Because John Mayong. Well, Jimmy Reed.
1: You me when to me that really uh makes sense then the lineage if that's your path in the 60s that leads right into you know like stripped down kind of rock and music
0: rock and roll but but it was more blues than it was rock and roll no but i mean that makes sense
1: to how you would then go from that into like punk rock
0: that's true rather okay, than good like point.
1: psychedelia kind of like just well, his journey is not over yet. Yeah, I mean, you can go dip into that, but I just mean if your if your tastes are that broad, that's true, and you're... if they're rooted
0: in your you know younger years. Because it's all blues-based like the... music, right? Yes. Okay. So then, there's this thing that's kind of invented all over you know the world, I believe, which is the all-nighter. So yeah, so your job as the DJ of an all-nighter is to keep everyone dancing. Until seven a.m. Now we once went to an all-nighter in Miami.
1: Yeah,
0: that opened at two. Two a.m. Two a.m. Right? Uh-huh. It was for the people who worked at the other clubs who yeah. wanted to go out after their job right. in the entertainment bar world. And so, it, what was it called? I
1: used to space have... club space club
0: space. Yoko Ono played there. It was like pretty. Yeah. Really? Oh yeah, it's saw Miami? a picture for yeah, and it was like bumping, and there you'd be at like 7 a.m. But it was also
1: like a rooftop sort of It was nice. It was uh it was a like palm trees. Place I've ever been. And uh <sighs> it was real weird uh-huh. cuz it was the it was the sun was coming up and there was a VIP section. But but it was a rooftop. So you were outside Yeah. a part, part of it was outside where people were dancing. And it, uh-huh. in like broad daylight in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. It was cool. So, and it wasn't like this kind of current thing of like the <gasps> Do you know what the what do you call it though that people get into around here the, mm. the dance, um, ecstatic dance oh, that yeah. all the hippies are doing? In, in they do Asheville. that during the day. They'll do it in the morning. i will do it but the day, but they're but they're totally sober. Yeah. I was just contrasting it with club space because whereas <laughs> club space was a morning dance, but it was also like lots of drugs involved as opposed to <laughs> as opposed to these uh, drug free kind of like almost yogic kind of uh-huh. hippie
0: experiences of like the way to start your day Rogue before cutting. you like, go. so the all-nighter so but here's the thing they would do the they would go to the all-nighter right and they would be open till 7 a.m and then they would go to the boneyard all dayer so that's what we're talking about Wait, what's we the boneyard bone is the all dayer that one's the one that opens at you know were seven. they on cocaine when was this <laughs> I think acid can really do that for you, too, though. Yeah. So that's what he starts kind of talking about and experiencing is, like, there are some real drug problems um, in this scene. And Roger notices that. He he notices that. And one day, this woman... He's concerned about it? He's very... Yeah, he is.
1: He's, like, not... He's clean?
0: He. Well, I don't know if he's clean, but I think that... He's just that,
1: been through it. He's like, I'm done with that shit. Yeah.
0: He Well, he, he sees a woman collapse, um, and she you know, has to get her stomach pumped and it really haunted him. Oh, wow. so, yeah. He's a sensitive guy, you know, he cared about people, humans sounds like. So, um, so then he goes on, it was the sixties. So, so there's this kind of underground phase of the sixties where he's working as a promoter in Manchester's magic village. All right. So there's like a trippy room that had the liquid light shows, Liquid That's light a, shows. Yep. Yep. And uh and I guess those were just like one of those in every town, you know, it was the thing. And um so the so what they're listening to is T Rex John Mayall. Do you know anybody that
1: Yeah, I do.
0: Tim Rose.
1: Okay, tell me. I'm looking into this next sentence though, that looks really good. <laughs> However, there was the Wait, the transformation from spiky innovation to prog rock pretension was unnervingly swift, especially at this new era ushered forth, a level of self-indulgence which competed only with the dull, insular edges of free-form jazz. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Let me tell you.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, and this this guy... I like how...
1: He, that's a pretty astute analysis. I though. love his analysis, um, actually.
0: I'm really skeptical of this book because of the cover. Don't judge a book by his cover. Even though sometimes I I just...
1: The dull, insular edges? Because <laughs> I often think that about the free jazz scene. You know, yeah. that it's like... It's, it's insular and, and it's... You know, it's like performing for itself. You know? Yeah. In a way. And And, and there's like a... There's a other. There's know.
0: some jewels in this. I mean, honestly, I would love to just read this book and that be expecting, our podcast. I was not expecting there's scripts that. in here that we're gonna act out. Like there's lines for you and there's lines for me. Like there's like things yeah. in this book that don't underestimate this book. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um.
1: Well, I love some free jazz too. Don't get me wrong. But what yeah, about T Rex? Yeah. What do you think about John? T Rex is great. John Mayall and the Blues Breakers. I think I have that right. Well, he was on a record with <laughs> uh, with Eric Clapton and Jeff uh-huh. Beck, and called "White Boy Blues," that came out in like the late '60s, uh-huh. maybe pre Cream or around that time. We, but Clapton was young, and I I think it was John Mayall. I'm gonna look this up. All right, John mile yeah is english blues singer guitarist and organist yeah and he had this band called the blues breakers at one point i had a cd of maybe his but i also had the white boy blues because i was like
0: did you have the white boy Blues? i had that album i had,
1: and i had the white boy blues i was like a teenager living in the trailer park and i was just collecting music because that was that i read about in different places and i I got and i got that album white boy blues because it had like two giants of the electric guitar and then a guy named john mile who i never heard of um so you, Did know. you ever
0: go to the ports of florida where were the ports and try to intercept the records as they came in from <laughs> I England? i don't think they
1: arrived in the same way
0: all right but you know what he's really not into the scene he thinks this is all really annoying and um he's ready for something new he wants to change and you know he's like you know that place i go to to, to get these records that a wharf the wharf the misty banks of that that strange city that i would you know that's pretty close to where i'm living now i think i'll move there i'll move to liverpool he moves to liverpool okay okay now now the the hovering hand of fate i'm sorry uh mick middles we just got to quote you here okay because it's so good tell me about this part that you're uh, interested yeah in. yeah
1: uh he gets the, the, the hovering hand of fate <laughs> began to strangely guide him, and within days he found himself promoting a series of Saturday night rock concerts mm-hmm. at the large, though featureless, <laughs> Liverpool Stadium. So he was... So
0: he got a prom- good job. He was promoting Promote. concerts
1: at the stadium, bringing in the likes of Matt de Hoople, uh, who has, uh, you might know mm-hmm. as... Uh, ian um anderson ian gillen no ian anderson's jethro toll ian gillen's deep purple ian something uh their big hit was a david bowie song called all the young dudes oh and they also wrote that song once bitten twice shy that great oh. white covered in the late 80s and uh, but it was like a Mott the hoople song in the late early 70s late 60s anyway but he brought in Mott the Hoople, led zeppelin black sabbath Captain Beefheart played the stadium apparently in Liverpool never Whoa, saw that man. coming nope. so did Can uh, love Steve Millar and Rod Stewart how
0: famous was Captain Beefheart she like an that's,
1: a, that's a I don't Can, know Can too some of these bands did, had better turnout at the stadium right. that Roger Eagle was promoting shows at, yeah. I'm guessing. But then he gets so, frustrated. Oh, but look, his contempt for this scene was heightened by the fact mm-hmm. that m- the most interesting of these acts, Can and Captain Beefheart,
0: were my two picks.
1: also proved to be the least successful.
0: But he was a real Beefheart and Can fan. Can fan.
1: But he was making a ton of cash working at this stadium. A lot more money than he ever made DJing in Manchester. Yeah. So he went back to his flat and comforted himself by diving into his endless gargantuan and soon-to-be legendary record collection.
0: Okay, now listen. I got yeah. it. So so here's the thing, though. He, so he wants to get a nightclub going in Liverpool. So, right, that's what he does. But their, their club scene apparently was run... By a network of mafiosa men oh. who used Whoa. their clubland exploit as a front for other prostitution rings. I mean, drugs, drugs, uh, pirate privateering, mercenary ships. I mean, who knows? What are you talking about? I'm talking about the privateers. You know, I'm sure there is a pirate or two still 60s lurking. Or 70s. Yeah, yeah, All of right, course. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, so there's pirates, there's mafia, and Liverpool is a dangerous place. Watch out. But Um, they're
1: also very funny and (laughs) uh, welcoming people.
0: But it says here that he'd experienced many things during his days in Manchester. So what is Manchester? What kind of uh, characters are living in Manchester? What's know. the Mancunian criminal like
1: So Roger Eagle is so kind he's, of a badass he, was what we're, what we're tra- that's what we' we're, we're getting to here. yeah and he, he took mm-hmm. the money he made from his stadium gig. yeah and opened up Eric's Erics and how did he skirt the mafia people that were coming to shake him down? That's the question I'm gonna
0: I'm gonna just I, I've decided I have an answer. This place seems so shitty. That nobody cares. Yeah, it <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Yep, and we we will hear you know some outline of how disgusting it is and why. But like, like hey, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> you open up this shithole in the hey. basement.
1: oh <laughs> eh. well, Anyway, uh, this, does this concern you? No, nah, it doesn't concern me. Okay.
0: So he, exactly that's what happened. He settled uh, on a downbeat cellar bar named the Revolution. And it had a little Roxy Club feel, apparently. But there's also what what does the revolution remind you of? What song by what famous band?
1: From Liverpool,
0: this, the the,
1: the Ruddles, the, the Beatles, the oh, Beatles. Yeah. That's
0: it. Yes. And so um, it was also it was so it was on Matthew Street, and that is the opposite side. It was directly opposite. You might know what the Cavern Club is. Cavern Club. Yeah. Mm.
1: mm what? I don't know any of these clubs. I don't Liverpool either. I never or... knew either. It's like a
0: Beatles thing. Everyone's like, uh, okay, oh, you yeah. didn't know the Cav Club. But it's more importantly right next to Probe Records. All right. Yeah. It's like the record shop of the town. And so apparently they wouldn't allow their customers to buy albums by like Rush and Yes and stuff. So mm-hmm. they're like that kind of party. So he started by naming the club the New Cavern.
1: Did you see something about the band The Runaways? Oh, yeah. I'm did about to get the there. Ru- did you see something about Rush? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I meant. Not The Runaways. Well, we're getting Rush. to them, too. No, but wait, wait. <laughs> they would stock up albums, I believe dating progressive rock bands. I guess. Huh. <laughs> what year is this? Yeah. it's Late the, 70s?
0: Yeah. Mid-70s, I'm saying. Now, I'd say late 70s.
1: When did Rush form? That's, that's I kind of like... Anyway. <laughs> I'm sure that they all formed they, in the late 70s. Know, but
0: yeah, all we need to know is that from no Canada, one was allowed though, to buy them at the store. So they opened this club, and, you know, they say that punk, like everything hits Liverpool like six months after the fact. So punk had already kind of been around, but it's it's, it's only six months later. Six it's months gonna, is nothing. I know, that's what I always say. They're I think like, people's oh, time, came late.
1: time changed when the internet came out.
0: Yeah, I think you're right.
1: It's easy to feel like you're behind the times when it's just one thing at a time, but when it's everything all at once, then it's just like, everything's always been there.
0: Yeah. What
1: a good book Mick Middles wrote. I gotta tell you, I was a little skeptical, and I think the cover really doesn't do it any any justice.
0: So this place opens, and the first shows are Runaways...
1: (laughs) behind the bars there's a superstar who never had a chance she could sing she could dance you don't sing and dance
0: and choosy honey stranglers and the sex pistols oh the
1: stranglers the stranglers we know favorite song by the stranglers and any band ever in the history of music mm-hmm. Golden Brown
0: wow ever in the history of music
1: <laughs> I mean it's one of my favorite songs
0: Golden brown texture like sun lays me down with my mind. She runs I, mean,
1: I like that song, the harpsichord. It's in a weird meter. Yeah. But it's so pretty.
0: So, this is a place where you could get like a yearly membership so that like younger fans. And I don't know what that means.
1: It means you can go to the shows. All right. Right? If For an men- annual fee?
0: For an annual fee, right. Okay. You can just
1: walk in, or maybe they have a discount thing.
0: Right. And it was really cheap. And he opens it with his, with his buddy, Pete Fullwell. Okay? And we're starting to get into names here. So it's pretty easy to keep track of. If there's anyone that's from Echo and the Bunnymen, um, their names are either Pete, Will, Bill, Ian, and then there's a Jake. And that's all you need to know. Ooh, there's a lot of Jake. Ians. That's, that's the fifth member. We'll get to him. but um, So it opened on 1976. Right, uh. and then it closed in '80. God, only four years later, wow. no, <laughs> because of drug raids. Huh. Wow! And their final act, just as a little fun fact for everyone, was the psychedelic furs.
1: All right. Oh yeah, I think I read a little something that that was like a some kind of crazy show. I guess where the maybe the cops came in during that or during it. Wow. Well, yeah, like yeah. it was, like there was like a some kind of blowout, weird thing that happened. During the Psychedelic Furs show.
0: Yeah, so there's going to be some really, really, like, interesting things to happen in this club. And, like, they are the tastemakers of the town, along with, like, the Deaf School, which we already talked about, um, which was a local band around this time. And then, of course, Punk is going to, you know, plow its way through. And we're going to chronicle the effects that it had. as it? swept through the town and how it would intersect with the lives of the members of the men. And really the world. In the world, gee. We probably don't need to do a closeout because we don't know if we're going to keep on going with this or where we're going to break this up.
1: This is our four-hour episode. Four hour episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we have a special Oh, I know room.
1: what I was going to say. Okay, I had this thought earlier. My relationship to Mick Middleton's book, I think, <laughs> is probably most people's relationship to this podcast which is you're like why would I want to read that it seems so specific it's about Ian McCullough the king of cool that's what it's called that's weird I'm not going to look at that thing like people like all We're, our friends we are
0: the mick middles of the echo and you know because i have Ren a legacy. little bit of
1: a following in my career or whatever and i'd be like promoting the podcast on it and i'm saying hey check out our podcast about echo and the Boy. And people are probably thinking what the hell is he doing like but they just don't know they have to they have to get past the cover of the book with ian smoking a cigar on it and right. get into the meat and then you realize this is Everything. This, this is. is every, this is all of the human. All
0: music and all. And but the the world human, and tragedy human tragedy and comedy oh.
1: and all of the things. Yes. They're all here, but there's a guy smoking a cigar on the cover, <laughs> and it's about him. So you're like, what the fuck do I want to read that for? You know. <laughs> so anyway, I'm gonna. Yeah, you just got to open it up.
0: And just open up your ears, listen to their music. That's all. The-
1: You don't even need to listen to music (laughs) to listen to this podcast, is what I'm saying. That's what
0: Shane thinks. I don't know.
1: No, but that helps. (laughs) That helps. Ian's conceit is rubbing off on me. Like, if he can go around talking about... Let me explain to you why... The Killing Moon is the greatest song of all time ever written. I mean, and then it's I'm a gonna tell you why match. you should listen to our podcast.
0: It's a perfect match. That that did not escape me that you would have some similar. But sort of, and I want to say too that I sit around and I talk about how I hate you know various bands like um, the Stones, but wouldn't Ian want us to? Wouldn't he?
1: It's why we love him, right? You know?
0: And that's why we're. And I feel like it's the drama just,
1: unfolds. Shit's boring if you just. Oh. like everything without a right. filter give me a break exactly you've been listening to is there an echo in here 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 here, 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 here and if you want to get in touch with us just drop
0: us a line at echo in here podcast at gmail